A reading from the first letter to the Corinthians. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Indeed, star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And a reading from the letter to the Philippians. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. The word of the Lord. I have to admit to you that I'm a bit surprised to see so many people in worship today. Last week we talked about sin, your sin, and I thought that would be the end of it. We'd never see you again, but here you are. We talked about sin, of course, because we are working our way through the deep theological affirmations of the Apostles' Creed, that earliest in some ways and most influential in some ways statement of essential Christian belief. We talked last week about the forgiveness of sin. Today and next week, we will talk about those beliefs that make us trust that our sin is forgiven. 
those beliefs by which we actually have the interest and the energy and the enthusiasm and the commitment to come every Sunday to worship God. We need to talk about the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now, for those of you who are steeped in the liturgical tradition of the church, and with today being Palm Sunday, what you expect me to be talking about is Jesus getting on the back of a donkey and riding into Jerusalem with a bunch of people waving their palm branches saying, Hosanna. And yes, of course, we're celebrating that fact. But what we need to remember is that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Jesus was riding into a situation, a context, a confrontation with all the powers of the universe which seek to take us away from the blessing and love of God. Now, why do I say that? Well, let's think about the situation a bit more. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, the ancient capital city of the Jewish people and the Jewish faith. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, that place that was filled with priests and Pharisees and the leaders of a faith that was not so sure of what to make of Jesus. In fact, many of them were sure that he was a threat to everything that they knew, that he was a blasphemer and a liar, and dangerous not only to their faith, but dangerous to their tenuous existence in the Roman Empire. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, the seat of the local government that represented the Roman Empire. Jesus was riding not only into the authority and power of the Sanhedrin and the temple, but also into the authority and power of the Caesar of Rome expressed in the person of Pontius Pilate. We love to focus on the joy and the pomp and the circumstance and the fun of the parade, but we have to admit this fact. The parade ended on a cross. Jesus died. I know that you know that there's more to the story, but if we're going to understand and appreciate the end of the story, we have to know the full story. And so let's dwell there for just a moment on this simple fact. Jesus died. Jesus took on the power of the world represented in the power of the Jewish faith and the Roman Empire, and it killed him. Jesus took on the nature of our human existence as a person fully human as well as fully God, and it killed him. Jesus died. What was your first experience with death? Was it a little bowl of water and the goldfish that inexplicably one night jumped out and you found his cold, dead, hard body there on the floor the next morning? Was it a beloved pet, a cat, or a dog? What was your first experience of death? 
my first experience of the death of a human being that had much of an impact on me was the first time that I actually saw a human body, a dead one. It was in fourth grade. My fourth grade teacher's husband had died and because the funeral home was just a few hundred yards away from the school that I attended, our class was released to go one morning to the funeral. That was back in the day when there were no teachers to chaperone us, no parents to walk us down the street. The whole class just got up and walked down to the funeral home. And I remember walking into the funeral home there and standing at the head of the aisle and looking to the front and seeing something that I'd never seen before, a casket with a body lying in it. Human bodies, when they're dead, are not beautiful things. They can be even scary things because when you look at the outward reality, the reality that we apprehend with our senses and try to comprehend with our minds is a reality that says that when we die, we're done, we're finished. We're gone. I have great respect for human science, and I appreciate the things it does for us, but all that human science can tell us is that a human body is created in the womb of the mother, and it comes to life, and it grows, and it lives, and then it dies, and when it dies, it's done. You're done. That's it. What was your first experience of death? My first experience of the death of a human being and the contemplation of a human body with no life left in it was not a happy experience. Because without a belief, without a faith, that we'll get to in a moment, the end of our life here on this earth is all there is. Contemplate what happens in the birth and life and death of a human body. We know the physical processes. Yes, they're a wonderful miracle. But after 30 years, 60 years, 90 years, a body is finished. Think of the story of creation, the creation of Adam, of, human, of humanity, of Adam and Eve. We're told in Genesis that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That's what we are, dust earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Regardless of how much healthy food we eat and how much we exercise and whatever else we do to keep these bodies going and to make them look more or less presentable, we end up as only so much water, so many chemicals, and it all goes back to where it came from. 
Let's think carefully again about those words from Genesis. The Lord God took dust and he breathed life into it. It is a fundamental affirmation of Christian theology as well as that of the Jews. That you and I are alive because of the power of God. That you and I are alive because God breathes his spirit into us. That you and I continue to be alive because God continues to give us existence. And that is different from what most of us believe actually. If you ask most people today, including most Christians, they'll say, I have an immortal soul. My soul is going to keep on going after I die. If that's what you believe, and that's what I used to believe, you're dead wrong. You do not have an immortal soul. You do not have something inside of you that God said, I'm going to make it exist, and it's just going to keep on going regardless of anything else. That's what the Greek philosophers and thinkers thought. That's what most people in the world today believe, is that we have an immortal soul. We do not. We only have our existence as God gives it to us every moment, every second. And so we wonder, because we believe what Genesis says, God breathed life into this body and it lived, but what happens when that body dies? To answer that question, we must turn to the story that defines all of our stories. We would turn to the life of the one by whose life we judge all life. Jesus was killed. His body was dead. As far as the Jews were concerned, as far as we would be concerned, if we take the evidence that we can see, the evidence we could know is that Jesus is gone. They took his body and packed it up and put it away into a tomb. They expected never to see Jesus again. He was really dead. He was really buried. He was really done, finished, gone. But. We'll celebrate but more next week. But we have to think about it today. Think about all the stories that you know about Jesus after the resurrection. We're told that the disciples, his friends, the people that had spent years with him did not recognize him. He did strange things like come in and out of rooms whose doors were locked. After a while, the disciples began to recognize him and they realized that it was Jesus. They did not recognize him because they heard his voice or because they listened to what he had to say. They looked at him and saw that he was there. He was the same Jesus who had lived before and was now living again, but he was different. He was different. We're told by the eyewitnesses that they knew it was Jesus and they experienced him present with them they recognized the friend that they had known. They recognized everything about him, but he was different. How can we understand what it was? The Apostle Paul became the first and greatest teacher in many ways of the early church, and Paul looked at it this way. 
as he was trying to explain to the Christians in Corinth, who themselves primarily came from a Greek or a Hellenistic perspective that said that the body is a bad and evil thing, it gets old and yucky and corrupt and then it dies and it's even more yucky and corrupt. Paul would say, no, Jesus' body was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected, and he was the same Jesus, but he was different. How do we understand what was going on? Paul uses a beautiful analogy, the analogy of a seed. A seed is planted into the ground. It dies, but it comes back to life. It is resurrected, if you will into a form that is different from the form it had, but of the same substance that it always has had. The seed and the plant that grow from it are related to each other. They are of the same thing as each other, but they look different from each other. Paul would take that single image and say that perishable inherits and becomes different. Perishable becomes imperishable. That which has dishonor now has glory. That which is weak now has power. That which is physical now becomes spiritual. That which is of the dust now becomes that which is of heaven. The creed says that we believe in the resurrection of the body. Not the immortality of the soul. So what do we mean when we talk about the resurrection of the body? Do we mean that God takes this flesh and makes it live again? That's what Jesus had done with Lazarus. Jesus took Lazarus' body and made it live again. But you notice that the appearance of Lazarus was very different from the appearance of Jesus. Lazarus came back to life and the first thing they said about him was, Lazarus, you stink. He'd been dead. That's what happens to us when we've been dead for a while. And Lazarus died again, of course. We don't hear any more about Lazarus. Lazarus was not resurrected into eternal glory when Jesus brought him back to life. That would have to come later for Lazarus. What happened with Jesus was different. God did not resurrect Jesus' physical body to be the same physical body it had been. God resurrected the person of Jesus. Not his flesh, but his person. Here again, we have to understand what the Jews meant when they talked about the body of a person or when they talked about a person. They did not make a distinction between a mind or a heart or a soul or a body. They just talked about the person. And that's how we talk about each other. Yes, I know sometimes we say, you know, I truly love you for your mind. But when we think about ourselves, we think about the whole person, right? When someone says to you, I was talking to Jack the other day, you think of this body, this voice, this person, this character, this personality. You think about the relationship that we have. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the resurrection of the body. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus, all of Jesus, who Jesus was, what Jesus did, his memories, his thoughts, his experiences, his history, everything. 
And that's what we mean to say theologically when we talk about the resurrection of the body. Resurrection is when God gives you a spiritual body and breathes you back into existence from out of the non-existence that is death. He does that for you. And because of God's power, you continue to be you. I don't know about you, but maybe you like being you. I like being me. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm somewhere. And regardless of the pain and suffering of this life, we want to be alive. Now, I realize there's a whole lot of mystery in there. I cannot begin to explain to you. Nobody can. How it is that God does all of that. I can't explain it to you any more than we can explain how God created everything from out of nothing in the first place. All I can say to you is what was said by those first eyewitnesses who experienced the presence of the risen Lord Jesus Christ in a new spiritual body that corresponded to the reality of his physical body. All I can say to you is what the faith always has taught. And what has our faith taught us? What has our experience taught us? Well, number one, our faith continues to teach us about the power of God. I'll say it again because it's such an easy thing to misconceive. I'll say it again that you and I are not immortal beings. We have our existence, or as the old poet said, whom Paul quoted, we live and move and have our being because of and only because of the power of God. When God recreates us, which is really what the resurrection is, God thereby affirms the sacred nature of all of his creation. Ancient folks believed that this physical world was corrupt, that it was decaying, that it would one day die and go away, and that would be a good thing because then the spiritual side of nature would be revealed. But that's a total misreading of the book of Genesis. Genesis says that God created everything, and he said it's good. Your body is good. You are good. And what God says is good, God continues to continue to exist to make happen in the resurrection. God does not eliminate this world. God does not throw this world away. God remakes it. God renews it. God redeems it. And he does that for you. Some people believe that death is the end, period. You do not continue to exist. And that's a logical, that's a very logical conclusion, actually, based on the evidence we see in front of us. Other people, especially in Jesus' day, believed that your soul went back to be with God and you weren't really you anymore. You were just some divine being. But, but I don't know, I kind of like who I am and I like who you are, most of you anyway, and I like to think that we continue to live. That's what the resurrection says, is that you and I live forever as ourselves, our essence, our personality, our history, our character, our being, our memories, our relationships. All of that continues with God. And here's what else it means. That God places great value not just on what we will become, but on who we are. God made us once. 
And though death would threaten to take us away from God and away from existence itself, God, through his power, resurrects, remakes, renews, so that we go on. In that act, God puts his stamp of authority and his stamp of approval on this life. Therefore, what you and I do in these lives matters to God and to us. Think of it in this way. Your eternal life with God does not begin when you die and are resurrected. Your eternal life already has begun. That's good news. And so we live as if we are in the eternal presence of God. Not just as if, but because we are. Some folks in Paul's day believed that because your body died and your spirit then escaped from the body, that you could do whatever you wanted to with your body. You could eat as much ice cream or play as much golf or do whatever you wanted to, and it made no difference to God. That led to a life of wild abandon. <laughs> Other people believe you needed to punish the body. The body was a bad thing. Don't give it what it wants. But God gave us these bodies and this life to live in a way that glorifies Him. And so here's the vision I have that you and I would begin to live in such a way that we always glorify and honor God, that we live in the way that God designed life to be, and that on that moment when we die, we won't even know that we've died. Amen. Because in a moment we will be given new lives, new bodies, new existence, fit for living in heaven forever. If you begin to think that way, and to begin to trust that truth, you're going to live differently now. You're going to live in such a way that you can risk loving other people, that you can risk spending some time for God, that you can risk being the person that you know you truly are meant to be. God loves you the way you are now, and he's going to keep you going. Enjoy the ride. Amen.